you, 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 you are about to experience Vegas bad boys of podcasting. Fortunately, you are about to hear lots of opinions, but uh, rarely any facts. Impersonations might occur, but uh, good luck trying to figure them out. This program is not intended for kids or the easily offended. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. You press play. It's too late to stop. Get ready to podcast. Another edition of Vegas Bad Boys of Podcast and DJ Impact. We got Cincy, Steve, Matt, Michaels here. Vegas Bad Boys here with you. Three count. That is today's show. And we got three good topics for you. Now, if you happen to be watching this live, as always, throw your comments into your chat box, YouTube Live, Twitch Live, or uh, Facebook, and uh, we'll try to get it in as we see fit. If you're not able to watch this live, Thank you for downloading and recording. We appreciate that as well. All right, fellas, let's get into our three counts. It's time. Biggest bad boys of podcasting present. One, two, three. Count talk. Count talk, baby. Here's our first one from WrestlingNews.co. Titled, The PG Era Has Ended. WWE Raw will be a TV-14 show. And it reads, the PG era is over for WWE Monday Night Raw. Andrew Zarian of Matt Man, the podcast, reported today or reported on Twitter that the show will have a TV-14 rating starting Monday. He wrote, quote, starting July 18th, WWE Raw will have a TV-14 rating moving forward on the USA Network. The PG era is over, end quote. First time Vince McMahon made his program programming edgier was in 1997 when WWE ratings were down and the company was losing the Monday Night War against WCW. Uh, WWE shifted towards PG programming in July 2008 after its programming received a TV PG rating from the TV parental guidelines. This was done to market to children and attract more blue chip sponsors. And when WWE made changes to NXT last September and rebranded it to NXT, 2.0 wwe loosened up some of the language allowed on the show as well as relaxed the rules on wardrobe for women the idea was to bring in more younger viewers the tv 14 rating will let them do a lot of crazier angles and storylines all right zen city steve this was uh this was yours what's your take on it man so the thing is that really is uh taking me aback is Number one, uh, this was actually in a released memo uh, that was in circulation uh, around the USA Network executives. So um, long story short, um, since this uh, since this report actually came through, um, mm-hmm. it looks like as if the date itself has shifted. So um, the uh, the actual TV14 um, start date, is actually not going to be July 18th, um, but it is in consideration for a later date. The most wow. important thing and the biggest reason why uh, why I had submitted this article um, was this just goes to show that at the end of the day, what the networks want, the networks will get. 
So USA Network wants an edgier product. They want um, things evidently with, uh, you know, they're happy with what they're seeing on, uh, you know, NXT 2.0. And they're wanting, uh, as was even mentioned in the article, um, they're looking for, you know, more, um, they relaxed the rules on wardrobe for women, uh, loosened up some of the language, that kind of thing. Um, Yes, TV 14 will... Uh, allow them more leeway. Uh, I think the thing that really we need to temper any excitement with is this. We live in a much different world than when the Attitude Era was running rampant 30 years ago. Okay. Um, The mere fact that um, some people can't quite calibrate that and don't quite understand that um, unfortunately, some people are just never going to understand that times change. Um, and ultimately the most important court is the court of public opinion in most cases. Um, mm-hmm. now, yes, the, uh, the thing that's very interesting and very telling is that 2008 was when, um, WWE adjusted the on-air programming. Now, I don't think that they will be doing, you know, blood and guts, or I don't think that they're going to go absolutely crazy with things and, you know, have a redux on the May Young hand pregnancy angle or anything of that nature. Um, uh, at least God, I hope not. Yeah. But in any event, um, a, a little bit of an edgier product definitely would not hurt. Um, and let's, let's call it what it is. Um, your, your viewer base uh, even even in spite of absolutely everything that you've done to try to target younger viewers, those younger viewers are not showing up in droves as they had hoped that it would. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, once sponsors push back on this, then we could see them pulling in the reins, no pun intended. But I think that if they do make this change to TV 14, when they make this change to TV 14, you will have some advertisers that won't quite know what to expect and they will distance themselves from the product. So we need to at least get that info out there and make sure that people understand that we're probably going to see that. And that quite frankly, the sky is not falling. Uh, This is just a shift in, in the programming. Yeah. Uh, Let me ask you, Matt Michaels. I mean, uh, since city Steve said that, look, it, it shows that the network wanted an edgier product and let's just say you know hey they, so they provide this and it works and now maybe numbers are are growing some way for the new usa network you think there's a possibility that maybe fox which i know is a national network not the same as usa but we'll look at it look at that and go wait maybe we want a little something like that too you think the possibility of that could happen as well i i, I don't know if fox really gives a shit what USA is doing. I don't know if they follow it at all, to be honest. Mm. Um, you know, Fox's bigger concern is we want Ronda Rousey. We want Brock Lesnar. We want Roman Reigns. We want established names on the show because that right. will bring the eyes. Um, whether or not you say ass on TV, it's not going to make a difference. And there's, there's still under network TV, even though they've loosened it a bit, they're still under the fucking, you know, FCC guidelines. FCC guidelines, yeah. So mm-hmm. USA, it's cable. So, um, 
you know, why not if you feel that I think what USA feels is that it can possibly bring more eyes. But I think counter to what Steve said, I think that they feel if it brings more eyes, then advertisers will be more willing to pay higher prices because the ratings are up. Um, so it's, you know, it's kind of a catch 22 in network television is that you have a, a ratings versus commercial, uh, you know, uh, pricing, um, dilemma. And the thing is, is like on Fox, they're going to have, uh, the car ads, they're going to have ads that are, you know, considered adult items. Yeah, but with USA, if you bring in some of the, um, you know, some more of that attitude era feel or that you know adult feel to it, um, you'll probably see more of the advertising geared towards video games and stuff like that, like that in the attitude era. So, um, and then on top of everything, you also have Peacock in the mix because they have the streaming so i don't think they're telling them anything i don't think they're putting anything on that but really what it comes down to is that the honest answer is that linda wanted to run for uh state senate back i think it was senate back in uh that around 2008 Mm -hmm. that's when they went tvpg is because they didn't want the backlash used against her, which they already were going to use their <laughs> right. attitude or shit against her, right? Yeah. And I think between where we were in 2008 and where we are now, Linda served in Trump's actual cabinet. You know, yeah. she was she was uh, a member of the uh, like small business uh, administration, yeah, head of small business administration, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I think you know was learned is that if the person who leads your country has moral standards that are you know bottom feeder moral standards, then why not go back to TV fourteen? Who the fuck cares? It sells, you know, you can get away with shit. So they learned a lesson. They can see where there's more money, more advertising dollars, and they'll go for it. Big let deal. me ask you, let me ask you guys this and either one of you can answer. You both can uh, answer. Do you think that, um, and I, and I asked this because um, one of the guys while I was working today brought up the fact that they were going to become TV 14. He was like, yeah, man, now I'm about to fucking go back to start watching WWE. Do you think that there's there's this expectations? Because since you mentioned it, hey, we're not going to be going back to the to the hand, you know, coming out and all the crazy shit that happened. But will fans' expectations should they should they not raise it as high, thinking that we're going to go back to that time, or should they automatically start thinking the way they thinking? Like this guy telling me he's watching Monday because he can't wait to see where they go now. See, Either that's- one. That mm-hmm. that's the key thing is it's it's peaking interest. So mm. just by this memo getting out there, whether yeah. or not they choose to bring it back the 18th, whether they choose to bring it back in August, whether they choose to bring it back in January, yeah. Um, the mere fact is you're actually gonna be you're gonna be bringing more people into the fold 
just to see when it's going to be TV 14 again. Yeah. So just, and again, the mere fact that we're talking about it on the show and that somebody, you know, in your workplace mentioned it specifically to you, that should, that should kind of signal how big of a, of a, of a seismic shift this actually could be. But as I mentioned, we do need to temper expectations. Right. Um, Things are definitely not the same in our world as what they were, uh, you know, pre 2008. Sure. So that's that's something that we definitely need to be, need to be mindful of. Um, now, how far over the over the top are they going to go? I don't know, but I definitely can count myself in the number of people that will be watching with a renewed interest uh, mm-hmm. if they do make a ratings change. Okay. Well, good good question for you, DJ. Um, yeah. Out of uh, out of your guesstimate, how old was the uh, person you talked to? Oh, oh man, he's he's probably right where we at to be honest with you. So he's, See, now yeah. that's that's a problem because mm-hmm. this isn't geared to get guys our age. And the problem is is that we live in a fantasy, a fucking fantasy that that shit was fantastic. Go back right. and watch it. A lot of it is just plain shit. <laughs> no true. You know, seriously. You know, DJ and I we sat there. We tried watching WCW. <laughs> the the episode where uh, Hogan lost to Goldberg, and DJ was just like, "This is awful. <laughs> this is just boring. This is awful." And it it really was. Um, you know, there were only a couple moments on the show that you went, "Oh, this is good." And if you go back and watch WWE, it's the same thing. I, a lot of it in the Attitude Era was uh, mid card stuff between you know D'Lo and Val Venus and. And it's like, yeah, the, the controversy of a Val Venus was um, always brought back to chop off the PP, right? Right. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that you can point to that, but can you point to any other fucking Val Venus match? It's right. it's 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 really hard to like go, oh yeah, you know, is hey, it- yeah, well, not if they choppy the PP, then you know, there you go. You know, that's that's separating it, and it's not very hard at all when you separate, you know, the character. Oh, uh, but but in in all honesty, the you know, the truth of the matter is, is it's funny just listening to you guys both say it. You both said the hand. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> that is that, that's what sticks out to you from the attitude era, like a hand being born, and it's like that's it's like how is that any better than what they're doing now it's not it's not and i think that we just get caught up our age group gets caught up into this fantasy that that stuff was so fucking good um and it's because we didn't have the internet access we had we didn't have the fucking you know the uh especially the social media with with uh wrestlers tweeting out all their shit and whatnot you right. know, there was a little bit, and we we're coming off of, we we're coming off of both WCW and WWF being the squeaky clean '80s stuff, right? Right. So it was just a whole fucking thunderous new thing. What really needs to happen is they need to have younger people who are in control of both companies get, you know, Tony Khan needs to fucking let other people do shit. And Vince McMahon, same thing. 
let other people, young people do shit because you have to integrate your social media into doing what the attitude era did, right? right? You have to find that base and how to use what people who are anywhere between 18 and 25 are into to yeah. get that audience interested and to make it relevant to them, not to us. Right. Because that's who you want to get. Um, and the only difference between AEW and WWE in terms of, uh, you know, relatability is that AEW started out of the idea that they saw Tony Khan saw the value in the fact that guys like the Bucks and Cody and Bullet Club, they could get their merchandise into Hot Topic. And at that time, WWE did not have a deal in getting their merchandise out there through Hot Topic. That was a main vein showing, hey, we can tap into that audience. WWE didn't find that same thing. And they're looking for that. So that's what you're trying to do. And we'll see if it fucking works. Because the difference between them as well is that WWE has an established way of getting to kids between the ages of 6 and 15. Whereas AEW really has not tapped that market because they haven't been around. Yeah. So, Also, you know, realistically, they're not marketing to kids that age. Yeah, AEW. Right. True. It's true. It's true, which in the long run, too, is is that something that can hurt you because you're the one thing that you you take a risk on is what happened to the Attitude Era fans, right? Oh, this is so fucking good. Now I'm fucking bored with it when it wasn't Attitude style. And if AEW then tries to chase that audience of kids, you know, and then it becomes boring to people who have been watching your product for 10 years, you have the same thing happen to them that happened to WWE. You lose that base. You know, you lose the fans you created. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, no, no. All right. Let's go into our second count. And this was titled... John Moxley's the worst wrestler in the world. Industry veteran slams interim AEW champion after a recent dynamite match. This is from sportskeeda.com, and this is how it reads. Former WWE manager Jim Cornette has harshly criticized John Moxley over his recent match on AEW. Moxley captured the interim AEW world champion after defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi at AEW, New Japan Pro Wrestling Forbidden Door, after the star's first championship reign during the pandemic. Many fans were hoping he'd get another title run in front of the capacity crowd. Now, Moxley successfully defended the interim AEW World Championship during the latest episode of Dynamite in light of the bout almost going over time, and Jim Cornette slammed Moxley Wrestling as well as the promotion. And on the latest episode of Jim Cornette Experience, the former WWE manager expressed his Exhaustion with both Moxley's wrestling style and AEW itself. This is what he says. I will give this a chance just to see if Moxley does something different this time. So I paid attention. Under one minute and 15 seconds, they went to the floor. 
I I just said fuck it. Moxley's the worst wrestler in the world, and I tried to fast forward to the finish, but AEW can't manage the time, so they almost run over. End quote. And then the coronet continued pointing out that AEW should be more careful with going overtime as it could lead to television executives at Warner Brothers. Uh, Discovery getting frustrated. This is what he said, quote, they can't manage their time. They got a bunch of unprofessionals assholes that have never been trained properly. They just work indies and rec centers. So that's another way they could get steam on them as if they keep asking for more time on the fly. That's not generally received well, at least back at master control, end quote. Now, Cornet has been uh, vocal about his criticism surrounding the purveyor of violence, which is likely why his reaction to this match was so sour. John Moxley is set to face the rising DDT star Konosuke Takahiki uh, on Fighter Fest, which I guess uh, took place on Dynamite. So, uh, Mr. Matt Michaels. Steve, can you just go ahead and uh, pronounce the name? Konosuke Takeshita. I was so yeah. awful. Now. Matt yeah. Michaels, you couldn't pronounce that shit either. Try it, <laughs> dude. I'm the one. I'm the one who basically says, "What the fuck?" Every time that there's a Japanese wrestler who I've never heard of wrestling <laughs> one of these guys, so I don't even care. But I just thought that was that was a pretty. It, it was a nice interpretation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one way All to right. phrase it. <laughs> All right, is John Moxley the worst wrestler in the world, uh, Matt Michaels? Uh, he's certainly not good. Um, and the reason being is uh, a couple things. First off, uh, you just said that when this article is written, Dynamite had not aired, okay? So mm-hmm. I want to preference that, okay? So this was Cornette talking about the week before. Brody King. Yeah, I, I think, or or the week before it was it was that. the Brody King match. Was it the Brody King one? Yeah, yeah. Um, and by the way, now you have to, you also have to say that it, wrestling is give and take. So with that, in that particular instance, Moxley and Brody King are two guys who are not your WWE type storyteller wrestlers, right? Okay. But at one point, Moxley was. And what's very interesting to me just overall, before I get into this week's match, is that Dean Ambrose was a better wrestler than John Moxley. John Moxley is better at blood and guts, and that's why he wanted to get the fuck out of there, is because he wanted to get back to... Dude, if you willingly go into GCW while you've got a big contract and basically <laughs> are doing it for nothing, you have something right. fucking psychologically wrong with you, and yeah. you, and you like violence more so than wrestling. Um, and if you look at it, Dean Ambrose was essentially a more rounded, uh, you know, aligned character to the Shield. And what do we find out about the Shield? The Shield was much better when they finally were broken apart. And it took them years to establish characters in Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, but they're two of the top guys in the business. Now, Moxley can be considered a top guy, but as a wrestler, as a storyteller, he's not as good. 
Here's where it comes in, and I'm so glad that he did it this week because it proves the point, and I'm sure Cornette will say it. The match he had was fairly decent, and a lot of it was because of, what is it, Tamaguchi? Or what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to try. Sin City, um, Steve. <laughs> But, but a lot of it was that kid is a decent wrestler, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The kid also got busted open. All right? So he was bleeding. So we already had color in that match. And, again, my whole thing is, dude, you don't need color every fucking week. It's, it's just – it's lazy. It's lazy, lazy, lazy. Mm-hmm. Now, right before – the match is about to end. John Moxley has him, and instead of just doing a finisher or putting him away, Moxley goes ahead and he headbutts the guy quickly and forcefully about, I don't know, six, seven, eight times with no reason other than to bust himself open the hard way. <laughs> and at first, and, and literally, he headbutts him, headbutts him, headbutts him, headbutts him, does whatever the finish move was. It was a one, two, three. I mean, it was right before the end of the match. This had no fucking bearing at all on the story or the match. No reason John Moxley needed to be fucking cut open other than he's a fucking psychopath that likes to feel his own blood drip down his face. And I swore at first, I'm like, he couldn't have done that. The blood's got to be from the other guy. And as they do the close-up and he's sitting on the ground right after the pin, you can see that it starts gushing from his head. It's his fucking own fucking cut. To me, that sealed that argument. He is the fucking worst wrestler because he's not worried about wrestling. He's more worried about John Moxley being this blood and guts dude. And at that point, it's just like, you know what? I like the guy. And now I'm like, why the fuck is Renee still with this psychopath? <laughs> it's crazy. And he only lived, you know, yeah. right around the corner. You know what I'm saying? You know, right. thank God he moved back to Ohio. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Sin City. Okay. Boy, boy, you got you got so much to answer for. But let me ask you this: raise okay. your question perfectly. <laughs> um, okay, but let's look at it from. I mean, you can respond to what Michael say, and Michael's were responding so, to what Cornette was saying. But to what Cornette was saying, look, fifteen seconds in the match, we're already on to the floor now. I'm I'm not gonna get a wrestling match. I know you're probably not a Cornette fan as well, but can you see where Cornette was coming from? To how he come up with this reasoning of he not thinking that Moxley is the worst wrestler in the world. I certainly used to be a Jim Cornette fan. Oh, okay. I definitely used to be um, used to back be. when he was a manager. Um, mm-hmm. And then after he left the business um, and, you know, did his thing with ring of honor. And then after that went away, um, yeah. he, uh, he felt like as if he, you know, wanted to, uh, seemingly undermine and not, I don't, I don't know if undermines the best word, but uh, diminish um, certain facets of the business. 
Um, and the, the fact is, is that, you know, Jim Cornette definitely has an opinion without question. Yeah. He definitely has the right to voice that opinion exactly as we do exactly as everyone else does in the comments and everybody, every other podcast on the planet. Yeah. Um, but you know, to, to label somebody the worst wrestler in the world, to be honest, that, that, that's extreme hyperbole. Um, I guarantee that you can find you can find tons of people that are worse at any facet of the business. If you're looking for a psychological wrestler, great. I'm sure that there are quite a few worse than Moxley. If you're looking for a technical wrestler that, you know, somebody that sucks in the technical field, I'm sure you're going to find somebody and a lot of people worse than Moxley. Um, the fact is the, uh, the match with Brody King um, and Michaels, you hit the nail right on the head. Neither one of those guys are your, you know, 60 minute technical classic Iron Man type of a match, uh, type of a match having individual. Um, you're just not going to get that. What you're going to get out of both of those guys is what we saw during that match. And that is a lot of violence. And yeah, you're going to jump out to the crowd. You're going to hit the floor. You're going to, you know, just pop off right at the beginning of the match. Um, exactly is what they did. Um, but, you know, to, to label somebody as the worst wrestler in the world, of course, that's very well Jim Cornette's opinion. He's certainly able to have that opinion. However, he's damn wrong in that. Um, but again, what do I know? I am just some fucking Mark with a microphone. Um, and that's well, my opinion. Well, let me ask you this, Sin City. Yeah. So when I asked Matt Michaels that question, I said, hey, so is John Moxley the worst wrestler in the world? And uh, Michael's responded, well, he's not good. Let me let me ask you that. Would you take it to the point of saying he's not good? Or would you say he's all right? He's, he is good. I mean, so, we, mm -hmm. go ahead. I'm, I, I didn't mean to. No, 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 it's all right. I, I was pretty much ending it. I was just pretty much wanting to sum up. So he's not saying he's the worst. He's just saying he's not good. What would be your take on that? So ultimately, the the thing that's telling is that he mentioned specifically that Dean Ambrose was good, you know, mm -hmm. it, be it for his psychology, be it for his, you know, technical ability when he worked for a different company. Yeah. So if one person has that capacity to perform like that and chooses not to perform like that, mm -hmm. it's almost like as if he's playing to a certain set of skills and that's not John Moxley's character is to be a technical wizard or to be a psychological, you know, uh, just just a, a cerebral kind of a, a wrestler. Um, right. I, I think that realistically, and this has been known for years, in professional wrestling, you play to someone's strengths. You attempt to hide their weaknesses. Now, I'm not using that phrase to say that Moxley is not good. What I am saying is that if you look at the people that are, you know, brawlers in the business, he's up there near the top. Now, if, if he wanted to emphasize his technical prowess as part of this gimmick, then I'm sure that he would do that. And but I'm I sure that Tony Khan would ask for that. But the, one, of the, one of the things that we're losing is that we keep bringing up technical prowess. I don't think Cornette's necessarily full on in the technical aspect as much as 
the story of the match, and I'll tell you, as someone who's trained in the ring, Mox throws it away. He doesn't tell the story. It's just a brawl because you just said it, brawl. And I think that I, I'll, I'll throw it right out there. If you look at the best brawler, one of the best brawlers in the history of the business, it was Steve Austin. Oh, yeah. A guy who was technically great in WCW. Definitely. But in the WWF, he had to be a brawler because he was shot. So you saw a lot of, of what he did was brawling style. The difference between him and Moxley is that Austin's not continuously cutting himself for no fucking reason just to, you know, to pop the crowd that there's blood. But he told the stories in matches. Mm-hmm. And I would I would gather that um, the problem is, and it's not all Moxley's fault, because what was the story? What was the reason for him wrestling Brody King? Right? What was the story what for wrestling? You know, well, the the what I'm trying to say is, it doesn't necessarily add up the guys he's facing, and there's no real you know, continuity to it other than we need someone for him to face this week. We're going to go on this guy and use maybe a little bit of a light background. Whereas when you had a Dean Ambrose, the story was in place and what was expected of him was in place. In AEW, they are very more loosely letting the guys kind of do what they want in the matches. So it's also hard to compare those apples and oranges because you have two different structures so that it makes it difficult to say, well, you know, if he was in WWE, he'd be doing this. Well, of course, because it's totally different there. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you see the first, you know, Cody is the first big name who went from AEW to WWE and in the course of just that short period of time, you can see the difference between him as a performer in the WWE versus him as a performer in AEW. And it's night and day because of various different reasons. Will that translate for everyone? No. If Moxley went back to the WWE, would he be good? Yeah. Cause he knows the system. He could fit into it. But him and Punk are two guys who do not want to go back there because they are too into, dare I say, themselves and just what they want to do and fulfill. Right. And it's not about, you know, going over there and making the big bucks, staying here and making the big bucks and kind of being able to call our own shots. Right. Right. So, and, and, and that's the thing. And keep in mind, too, at the end of the day, realistically, we, we, we're judging this through one lens in particular. Um, mm-hmm. And Jim Cornette is looking through his lens. Um, you had mentioned it as well, Michael's, you know, being ring trained that he throws everything to the side. Realistically speaking, a big bulk and a big chunk of your viewers haven't been ring trained, but they know oh, what no. they see. They know what they see when John Moxley's on TV and they like it. If you listen to the reaction that Moxley gets, they have him doing the things that get a reaction from the audience. And well, that's here's the question though, Steve. At the end of the day, that's the most important thing is the reaction that you get from the audience. 
But what are, one of the big questions with John Moxley in particular, more than anyone else, is if he was never in the WWE, if people didn't know who the fuck he was, if he was just one of the guys like, you know, uh, Darby Allen or someone, you know, someone who was on the independent scene and then came in, he would have had a, he wouldn't have had the built-in base, you know, he has a base because he's been around for so long. So would the reaction be the same? He's a top guy because of the reputation he built in the other company. As for Jericho, as for Punk, as for Danielson, these are all guys who are on the biggest stage for wrestling. So that also factors into it too. He has the leeway because of the fact that he has the fan base built in. If he didn't have that fan base built in, if he was, you know, fucking under a lucha mask or something, we wouldn't be talking about this. But Cornette knows that what he sees is something that for him, talking about a wrestling thing, this is what he sees and he feels that it's crap. And he feels it could be utilized better. That's fine. He also is getting ratings. We all know that. So that's you know, that's part of his thing too, is to get listens and you got to be controversial and pick the right guys. And if he picks, you know, someone who isn't known in that company to an extended fucking base, then no one's caring about it. No one's talking about it. All right. All right. Let's move over to count number three. three. And this one is titled WWE rumor roundup. Former women's champion allegedly set to leave the company. Details on Liv Morgan's live event incident with veteran huge return. So uh, this was chosen by our very own Simon Street, who isn't with us tonight. So he can't really uh, go in depth on what he was looking for here. But we'll just kind of uh, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. (laughs) Yeah, we'll just kind of speak on to, uh, you know, maybe where we think, uh, you know, I guess what we our take. Um, but the first one, potential backstage details on Natalia not selling Lil's more against finisher. And if I didn't say it, this is from uh, sportskeeda.com as well. So in this one, it says that it had uh, in a recent WWE Saturday night main event show that was held in Sacramento July 9th. Natalia seemed seemingly went off script during her match. Liv Morgan defended her SmackDown Women's Championship against the Queen of Hearts and Ronda Rousey during the show. And Morgan hit her finisher and pinned Natalia for the three count to end about after the pinfall, the former women's champion rose and left the ring without selling the finisher. And Dave Meltzer on the wrestling observer, our observer stated that there was reportedly an issue as Natalia was unhappy over something. However, it wasn't related to Morgan. He also noted that the situation was resolved immediately and there is no problem between the duo as of now. All right. So that's the, that's one of the rumors. The second one is, there's a possibly update on on Bailey's WWE return, and it says that the former WWE champion Bailey has been out of action for a year. She suffered a torn ACL and was expected to be sidelined for several months. And now appears that the role model has healed and is reportedly training at the Performance Center, raising speculation about a return. Dave Meltzer, on the Wrestling Observer, has stated that she indeed will be returning soon. Bailey is not the only female star rumored to be returning to WWE as NXT Zoe Stark is also reportedly set to return as well. And the last one, 
Number one, uncertainty over Io Shirai contract status with WWE. Says that former NXT champion Io Shirai may be leaving WWE soon. As previously reported that her con- current contract comes to an end in August. Dave Meltzer uh, of the Restaurant Observer has said she is pretty gone from the company. The report also suggests that Shirai could be leaving to spend more time with their family. The stars, former tag team partner Kyrie Singh had also left the company for similar reasons. However, the former NXT champion responded to these rumors by saying, quote, rumors, end quote, and posted a puke emoji on Twitter. It'll be interesting to see whether the Japanese star stays with the promotion moving forward. All righty. Guys, um, anything here you want to... um, comment on in terms of Io Shirai's contract Bailey's returning soon or Natalia just said fucking I'm not going to sell um, Liv's <laughs> a finisher uh, what's your take what's your guys take the thing that I found interesting was uh, so in this article they embedded a clip from Wrestlemania and uh, yeah you see it plain as day uh, Liv hits the Oblivion covers Natty gets the win and immediately Natty just sits right up and yells at Liv yells something. God only knows what it is before rolling out of the ring. So if whatever issue she had was not with Liv, pretty interesting there. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it is one thing to say that they're on good terms now, but there was definitely something going on that night. I don't know if, uh, yeah, it wasn't exactly a good look, especially with with how much that blew up over social media. Um, it, Natalia was even trending on social media uh, after that happened because wow. uh, so many of the clips had leaked to Twitter. And as we just mentioned in the previous count, everyone has their opinion and they all <laughs> want to voice them. So, right. yeah, interesting. Yeah. Matt Michaels, what you think? Uh, yeah, I think that Steve always says uh, uh, opinions are like assholes. Everyone shits out of them or something. And some you know? just stink worse than others. <laughs> um, you know, so I think uh, first off, uh, Io Shirai leaving, um, does it matter? You, you know, it's if she, if she comes back, she's still under contract or whatever. She'll either, you know, finish off the NXT contract, uh, will we ever see her brought up is, you know, who knows. Um, and if she wants to go back to Japan or go to AEW uh, or um, Impact or something like that, then, you know, she she's more than able to. Um, also, I guess one of the questions, too, is uh, her work visa would be the other thing. So, you know, um, it can always be that maybe her contract's not up, but maybe her work visa is coming up and she'll end up having to go back to Japan just because she can't get that approved or something. So who the fuck knows about that? Uh, yeah, Bailey coming back. I just miss Bailey. I just want to see her back. Yes. Period. Very easy. Uh, and Liv and Natty. I mean, listen, yeah, it was a house show back in the day. You wouldn't hear about the shit except through the, you know, the whispers on the dirt sheets. Now you have fucking video of it. It happened. 
blowups happen. You you don't like everyone a hundred percent of the fucking time. You have misunderstandings or conflicts or something happen, and then they go out and wrestle a good match on SmackDown. So you know, yeah. pretty you know, I don't think there's anything controversial there at all. I also right. think too that. Liv Morgan's in a really interesting spot in her career because she's a 10-year veteran, but she's only 28 years old. And Natty is a very experienced wrestler. She's a leader in the locker room. You know, she's had this in her blood since she was a fucking kid. And it could be easy for Liv to have done or said something that she misinterpreted during the match and just got pissed off and just said, well, fuck you. And... I'm sure she went backstage and whoever was the agent probably didn't have too many words for Natty. It was probably, okay, you two talk this out right fucking now and that's it. And Natty might even been the one who just got back there and was like, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. I fucking blew up. I I do apologize. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the more controversy here is... Morgan, get yourself in better shape. You can't be huffing and puffing during an interview after your match. What is going on? You're the champion. It would not surprise me if we saw Bailey come out after the uh, after one of the women's matches at SummerSlam. I'll just say that. It wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if Bailey came out and uh, just you know beat Liv for the title within the next two months, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they can make her because yeah. Liv is a very interesting case. Like I said, you know, my feeling is she's where Becky was for quite a few years where she's got potential and she's good, but does she have the next level to be someone that you can sell merchandise with that you can sell tickets to see? And she's, she's in that in between right now and we'll see. But Bailey coming back, you know, that's that's another thing is that if you have her come back and she's a heel, Bailey doesn't need the title and she can elevate Liv. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, we can see if that happens. There's there's really only one way to know how much they can get out of Liv, and that's just to put her in the situation that they already have and at least give her the opportunity. And if she falls flat on her face, then we know that, you know. And she's she not be, long. She's not long for that company. Well, she could still be though, because look at Carmella. You know, and, and Liv and Carmella have a fucking history. Oh, you yeah. know, you know, Liv, you know, had her gimmick essentially stolen from her by Carmella, yeah. and you know, you you look at them being, you know, Carmella's a little bit older, but they relatively started around the same time in NXT and kind of followed each other up the chain. And Carmella got the opportunity. She has the belt. She is established so that if you put her in matches and she's losing the people, that elevates that person she's losing to. Liv could be in the same position. But if Liv finds the right thing, there's enough people that have saw that in her over the years that feel that she has something there. It's yeah. just finding what that character is because I still can't tell you what she is. I can and, tell you what Becky is. I can tell you what Charlotte is. I can tell you what exactly. Ronda is. So Exactly. And I, I, I just have to put something out there too. Like I am a fan of what Liv has shown. I, I agree with you as far as the cardio thing. But uh, realistically, I mean, I, she... 
I, I see that, you know, she's starting to vary her offense. I see that she's starting to do more things in the ring. Um, so, you know, I, I, I definitely can appreciate the, the things that she's added to her repertoire, but we'll see if she, you know, if, if she moves merchandise, if they're able to, you know, turn her into a profitable character for the business aspect of WWE. And if so, then she's made, if not, then she may have to be repackaged and things of that nature. So I just had to get yeah. that part out. Yeah, she'll be an enhancement to right. like Carmella is. And and the other thing is, how do you right now it's weird because you look at Liv and you go, you can easily market her towards little Easy. girls. Oh yeah. Maybe. And then they're they're already starting to do that. I mean, with during her entrance with the camera cuts, they're always finding the younger girls in the audience. Um to you know to spotlight during her her entrances so yeah that's but, but is that going to serve her overall in finding the character because you might be pushing that but Liv is a hot girl and if you're selling towards what we talked about the pg-14 you know now i'm going well is she a, a young girl model or is she the hot girl that you can sell to you know guys like us who like to, you know, watch uh, wrestling with, uh, you know, our own personal wrestling tights on. Shame. Shame. Yeah, yeah for DJ, his own personal wrestling tights involves the fuzzy white slippers. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. This is a good time to go ahead and... Oh, not that one. There we go. Uh <laughs> The ref like one, two, three, three. Nah. Yeah. Anyway, sounds like sounds like an AEW ref. <laughs> hey, don't talk about Paul Turner. I was talking about Knox, who got knocked out in that fucking finish in the fucking <laughs> <laughs> that championship match, the tag match, man. That was great, man. Well, everyone, listen. Thanks for hanging out with us for our three count. Appreciate you always. Um, you can catch us every Sunday. That's when we do this recording. We start at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, we start with our wrestling talk. And then after that, right around 8.50-ish p.m., we start right with three count. So if you can join us, join us. We would love for you to be on. Throw some of the comments in so we can get it on. And, um, and, and then that's it. So thanks for hanging out. And... Um, We'll do it again, but let's do some final thoughts here. I'd like to start with Sin City Steve. What would you like to tell the good folks out there? Definitely. Thank you guys for liking, sharing, subscribing, hanging out with us, doing all the stuff that you guys do. We genuinely appreciate each and every one of you, so thank you. Um, also, very special shout-out to all the brave men and women serving this country, whether you're on lands foreign or domestic. Thank you for doing what you do so that we can do what we love to do. And last but not least, repsports.com, R-E-P-P sports.com. Go there for all your pre-workout, weight loss, and general energy needs. Again, repsports.com. Use promo code Vegas at checkout and save yourself 15%. That's right. And I'm a little late on that, but I can give you that. Ah, there we go. Boom. Boom. You know. <laughs> all right. Uh, Matt Michaels, man, what do you want to say? Uh, this Friday, 7 p.m. at the uh... – FSW Arena. It is high octane, new beginnings. Every single title is going to be on the line, including nice. Dave Idell versus Matt Vandegrift, 
Jay is defending the title. He just won back from Vandegrift, the No Limits title. Uh, yeah. You're going to see TBD defending the tag titles against Death Proof, the former tag champions. Uh, they haven't faced each other uh, in terms of being for the belt. Uh, they were Death Proof was never beat, uh, per se, by uh, TBD. So it's going to be an interesting uh, match there. Uh, you're going to see Brett the Fret finally get his chance to uh, take on Cal Jack in a submissions match. Uh, other people uh, that will be on the show, Hammerstone defending the heavyweight championship. G Sharp, Greg Sharp going to be uh, on the show defending the Nevada State title. Um, you'll see the faction on the card. Viva Van will be back and uh, should be a, a hot show. So either come down to the FSW Arena or uh, go ahead and sign up for the FSW Network, $6.99 a month, and you can see all the programming FSW has done over the years and uh, get the event for uh, only uh, 7 bucks. Absolutely. And as always, if you haven't got a chance to listen to the DeFalco Files, make sure that you listen weekly. Um, they're normally released anywhere between Wednesday through Friday, but um, they're, they're great episodes as we get to talk to the uh, the co-founder of, of Future Stars of Wrestling. No, the, the, the founder. The founder, I'm sorry. Thank the you. creator he, and owner hey, of. He hey, he was quick on his Sin City. I mean, I, I thought I was about to get my fire papers. Let, let me, let me, let me, let me get it right. The, 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 the founder, the creator. What's the next word? It's the next one. It's another the, one, right? So, yeah, the creator and owner. Oh, that's it. Okay, I got, I got. Creator both and owner of FSW. As I say every single week that you've probably heard a million times in editing. <laughs> Um, Impact, and, you're you're on the verge of getting future endeavored, bro. I know, and I was about to tell the people if you don't see me here next week, I, I really do enjoy uh, all of our times together. So, um, well, you know what, and and that is that is the uh, the FSE, the Future Stars of Endeavors, and uh, we'll have you as the uh, the first one. Thank you, I appreciate. It. Uh, but nevertheless, make sure you download that so you can be able to hear all the great things that's going on with Future Stars of Wrestling. All right. So with that, we will see you all uh, next week. And until uh, then, happy wrestling, all of you. Later. Biggest bad boys of podcasting.